And welcome into a new episode of American Ag Today, produced by the American Ag Radio Network. I'm your host, Jesse Allen. Thanks for joining us here on the program. Well, a federal judge with the U.S. District Court of Arizona has revoked the approval that allows the use of dicamba herbicide products on soybeans and cotton. Now, one of the nation's top ag leaders is speaking out against the ruling. I suspect we are going to be encouraging all of the agriculture community, not just the soybean sector, but certainly uh, the entire ag community to band together here because this is a process we cannot allow to stand. That's Chuck Connor, president and CEO of the National Council of Farmer Cooperatives. The ruling by U.S. District Court Judge David Berry says the EPA violated the public input requirement from the Federal Insecticide, Fungicide, and Rodenticide Act before giving its approval for the use of dicamba herbicide products. Well, this is a significant ruling, and it's uh, part of a, a more fundamental problem we have had in the last decade where the courts have had just too much to say about the regulatory process uh, of the government of the United States. And whether it's EPA or FDA or whatever the case has been, the courts have really sort of taken over from where the experts are. Connor says the timing of the judge's decision is problematic. I am just uh, returning from a trip to Alabama with some ag retailers down in that region. And of course, planning season is upon them. And they, you know, are literally ready to roll out the door using dicamba product that has uh, been in their warehouses. The timing of this could not be worse uh, for them in addition to the cost of that inventory and the fact that now farmers may well have to find something else to use. And it's not clear at all what that product will be and what the cost of it will be. And he adds that there may likely be a stay of the decision during the appeals process, which would still allow for the sale and use of dicamba herbicides. That's what we're going to be encouraging. I know there is already a letter circulating among members of Congress to the Environmental Protection Agency encouraging uh, the agency itself to seek that stay, which, uh, you know, would have far more credibility uh, if that were the case. So this fight is not over. The judge's decision immediately impacts over-the-top applications of Extendamax from Bayer, Ingenia from BASF, and Tavium from Syngenta. Well, Texas A&M's Ag and Food Policy Chief Dr. Joe Outlaw, who advises both parties on the House and Senate Ag Committees, predicts a new farm bill won't get done until the summer of 2025. Renowned in his field, Dr. Outlaw says farm bills take months to write, pass, and enact. The shortest he's seen is nine months, and time this year is getting eaten up by political dysfunction and the election calendar. On a Farm Policy Facts Groundwork podcast, he said, there's a little bit of rumblings that they want to get it done in 24. I don't expect it to be done in 24 unless something wild happens after the election. And even then, if House or Senate flips, it's going to be enough change that I don't think it will happen early in 25 either. He says that means later in the summer of 25. Not a good prospect when American Farm Bureau economists predict in a market intel report on USDA data the largest recorded drop in net farm income down more than 25% from last year. AFBF President Zippy Duvall is calling on Congress to bring down farming costs and pass a new farm bill, but Managing Director of Government Affairs Ryan Yates tells us, I think both for the House and the Senate, I think there's a great deal of distance between the chairman and woman and the ranking members that still need to be resolved. One example is a proposal by Senate Ag Chair Debbie Stabenow to shift more Title I funds to crop insurance and make producers choose between the two. We don't see uh, one or the other type of an approach. I think that would be a mistake to have to give up one uh, risk management program for another. I think that would be a problem. Democrats insist they won't give up SNAP or climate dollars for farm programs and House 
Ag Democrats just issued a memo saying so. Well, a U.S. District Judge ruled that a portion of the recent Massachusetts law that bans the sale of pork if a pig is held in a confined space is unconstitutional. However, Boston media reports say the judge is allowing that part of the law to be severed and the rest will stay in effect for now. Judge William Young made the ruling following a lawsuit by pork processors and other pig farmers who believed the pork law was unconstitutional. The law, called the Prevention of Farm Animal Cruelty Act, was approved by voters in 2016 and banned the sale of eggs, veal, and pork from animals held in conditions deemed cruel. The portion of the law getting argued was an exemption that allowed the sale of pork from federally inspected slaughterhouses in Massachusetts that don't meet requirements as long as the buyers take possession of the pork while on their premises. The Environmental Protection Agency announced implementation approaches for pesticide policies under the Endangered Species Act. Assistant Administrator Michael Friedhoff talked about the steps during a speech at the National Association of State Departments of Agriculture's Winter Policy Conference. Now, when registering pesticides under the Federal Insecticide, Fungicide, and Rodenticide Act, EPA must also comply with the Endangered Species Act to ensure the pesticides don't harm endangered species or their habitats. Now, EPA announced additional plans to address concerns about the challenge of protecting endangered species from exposure and expand its partnership with the USDA. EPA says it won't implement the vulnerable species pilot protections for a species until a more refined map of its habitat gets developed. The agency is also working to develop new maps that better reflect where the species actually live and where protections from pesticides are needed most. Friedhoff says, quote, these steps will benefit farmers and endangered species. Well, led by a record-shattering performance in Mexico and broad-based growth elsewhere, U.S. pork exports set a value record in 2023. Data shows December pork exports rose 10% from the prior year to 268,400 metric tons, the largest since May 2021 and the eighth largest on record. Now, export value increased 11% to $766 million, also the highest since May of 2021 and the third highest on record. A strong December pushed 2023 export value to a record $8.16 billion, 6% higher than 2022. Export volume reached 2.91 million tons. That was 8% higher year over year and the third largest on record. Beef exports closed the year on a higher note with December totaling 108,497 million tons, down 4% year over year, but the largest level since August. Export value was also the highest since August, climbing 10% over 2022 to $860.8 million. 2023 beef exports hit 1.29 million tons, 12% below 2022 levels. And McDonald's says it met the goal of sourcing 100% cage-free eggs in the U.S. by 2025, two years ahead of its original timeline. The company says it's continuing to prioritize the health and welfare of the animals in its supply chain. The improvement is in the power of the McDonald's system, working together towards a shared goal. As a U.S. system, McDonald's purchased almost 2 billion eggs in 2023, close to six times the entire U.S. population. Bob Stewart, Senior Vice President and North American Chief Supply Chain Officer for McDonald's, says, quote, Our journey to move to sourcing 100% cage-free eggs in the U.S. was a huge undertaking that was made uniquely possible by our owner-operators, producers, and our supply chain working together as one team. I'm incredibly proud of what we achieved together and the positive impact we'll continue to make on the path toward a more sustainable future, end quote.
We're out of time here on American Ag Today. I'm Jesse Allen wishing you a great rest of your day.